Chademo or Chade Chademo Chademo Podcast begin. It looks like we have a little bit of follow up for VR stuff. My friend Kazzy was listening to our podcast and she said, listening to your last episode, I'm the total opposite of Richard. I get completely motion sick when I'm in control of the movement. But like in a rail shooter, I'm fine. It's difficult to interpret this exactly, but um, there's a difference between being in control of the in-game movement and being physically moved uh, like when you are in the racing chair. So you can be in total control of the movement, like where an an example would be like in the Minecraft VR or Lone Echo, where it's easy to get nauseous uh, despite you being in control. But then what I was talking about was if you are physically moved by the system, not as in not you being necessarily in control um, of where you go. Um, And I was also referring to if you can actually physically move around. So I'm I'm trying to just distinguish between uh, you being in control of the movement, which you are for uh, a lot of games that would make you nauseous, um, versus you physically moving when you move in, uh, on the screen. But I mean, part of it with uh, Lone Echo is that I was in control. And I think part of it was is that there was a whole lot of rapid movement and uh, moving, being forced to move my head around and trying to get a grasp of the situation. Where... Like uh, she was saying, like, for instance, in a rail shooter, a lot of times in a rail shooter, you still have that kind of gen- gentle movement as right. opposed to in, in the rail know. shooters, especially in VR, you're usually like slowly going forward or you're not accelerating wildly. Generally, games that will often get people really nauseous are things like a, like a first person shooter will get people really nauseous, even though you're in you're in control of how you move but you will get very nauseous because you're not physically moving in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas most people will not get nauseous for something like Beat Saber or Super Hot or things like that, where their movement around the location is completely the same as how they're moving in real life. I mean, something to consider with Super Hot is that Super Hot doesn't encourage a whole lot of really, really fast movement. So there is that to consider as well. And with Beat Saber, Beat Saber is, uh, I don't see that having a whole lot of movement. You know, you have body movement, but you're not having a whole lot of different head movement apart from, you know, just seeing what's ahead of you. Okay. I mean, you could also say like um, Job Simulator where you're walking around the little room, you're physically (laughs) moving yourself. And there's other examples like a lot of the Valve demos where you're teleporting yourself the, the teleportation generally allows you to restrict your movement to what you're act, to how you're actually moving. Some of the uh, escape room games are similar in that you'll teleport around. Uh, there's one called Budget Cuts, which it, you're exploring like a facility and fighting against robots. And that one also uses a teleportation me- mechanism and doesn't tend to get people nauseous because they're, they're physically moving in the same way. Now, something to consider with Job Simulator is Job Simulator doesn't have time pressure. I, I can see where uh, if it did have time pressure and you're forced to, you know, look around and 
you're frantically trying to look for something. I mean, I could see that getting to some people. It would be interesting to know if she's tried one where you are physically moved when something on screen moves you or you or you move yourself. I mean, uh, I'm sure she'll end up listening to this and we'll end up getting follow up again. So great. (laughs) All right. So the next one is Tesla has updated their prices again and has essentially introduced a Model S and a Model S extended range that uses the 100 kilowatt battery pack. The lesser version is effectively a software limited version of the longer range version that you you, you take a little box and you get 8% extra range. <laughs> My first instinct when I first heard about this is like, oh God, that Tesla is just getting so uh, stingy. I mean, they're becoming kind of like Apple with a whole bunch of upsells. And like, I, I felt like they're doing a whole bunch of things that are making it overpriced and pushing the Model S outside of the range of a whole lot of people. Yeah. If, if you look at like the specifics, though, their overall prices are lower um, for the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, when I looked upon it in uh, in retrospect, um, for $85,000, you get a car that does 310 miles of range. Right. Whereas before it was closer to 200 something for the same amount of money. Right. So, I mean, I'm thinking about my old uh, P90D with ludicrous speed that I, uh, you know, that I used to have. You can pretty much get close to a fully loaded car that has similar performance to my old P90DL for like around 123, 124 Mm -hmm. compared to it previously being around 140 plus. Right. And they include a lot of the packages that were optional as standard now, Mm -hmm. Uh, like in the performance versions. Now, I mean, I find it kind of funny that uh, you can pay 20 grand for what is basically a software unlock on your car. Well, actually, did they? That's with the ludicrous speed. They didn't say that that one is unlockable via software, did they? That the battery is, but um, I don't know that the ludicrous upgrade is. From what I was reading around online, I believe that both of them were supposed to be. Oh, okay. But uh, one of the takes I found that was really interesting is that uh, they were saying, oh, what Tesla can do now is they can go ahead and they can lease a bunch of cars that don't necessarily have the upgrade. And then when they end up getting the car back, they just go ahead and unlock it for Mm -hmm. free. And then on resale, they have a more expensive car that they can go ahead and sell to people. That definitely is something that they could do. Mm -hmm. Uh, It makes it more attractive uh, during resale, that's for sure. And, And the previous owner has, is since they didn't have the ludicrous unlocked necessarily they could have saved money on warranty repairs during that period because it is harder on the car and mm-hmm. uh when they go and they unlock they still have they have a, a more reliable more attractive car that has less warranty available left anyway so they won't have to eat that much <laughs> and, and you know what else they can do conversely is they can take something that was unlocked and then go ahead and lock it again they can determine the split based off of market demand. One of the things you were talking about yesterday is that uh, if you don't have an unlocked uh, Model S, you know, you just get the base Model S now, you would be able to use 100% of your battery. 
Yeah, that was that was my major takeaway from like it doesn't really make a lot of sense to get the extended range. For those that are not aware, you almost never charge to 100% when you're charging your Tesla because you want to conserve uh, you want to preserve the longevity of your battery. So you usually only charge to 100% if you're absolutely certain that you're going to need that range, uh, which is very uncommon. Uh, and so if you got this version that is not the extended range, since it's the same battery, you would just go and charge to 100% all the time because it doesn't damage anything like it would if you damage to 100, uh, charge to 100% with the extended range unlocked. And I mean, I keep uh, I keep thinking of my old car, that my old car's max range was around 266, 267. Mm-hmm. And uh, for charging it to 90%, which is what they usually wanted you to do, it would end up being around 230 so, yeah. I mean, even still from 2015 to now, I can get a car that does 70 or 80 more miles for less money. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it kind of shows, uh, it actually shows a decent advancement in, you know, within four years. Yeah. And the other thing about like, and the other thing about having the battery like that is uh, normally as you approach your battery getting full at a supercharger, uh, it slows down pretty dramatically. But if it's a software limited uh, to get to full, then you would be able to fill much closer to your theoretical max without the supercharger slowing down. So you're not even limited really on trips either, because you would for you you would practically never fill to uh, to 100 percent at a supercharger anyway. And I mean, whenever you go on a long road trip they generally don't factor in having you charge to 100%. They usually have a charge to a certain amount because it takes it takes less time overall for you to stop more frequently and right. fill up to say half range or two thirds or three quarters than to uh, you know f- fill up to 100%. Right. When I did my couple of trips down to San Diego from Seattle, I would generally stop every 150 miles or so and fill up to roughly 80%. Yeah. And I mean, that's generally what they, uh, they want you to do anyway. I mean, that's the advised thing. And that way each break didn't take very long. It usually just was going and using the restroom or whatever, and maybe a little bit of time beyond that, but not much. And then get going again. What I'm, uh, interested in here is uh, what's going to happen moving forward that right now you're only realistically getting another 20 miles or so for eight grand in <laughs> yeah within you know in the model s like uh what's going to happen in the future are they going to have cars that say go to say 400 miles that end up costing more or i mean what's uh what's their long-term strategy with this I don't understand who this is for. Is it just for people who are new to buying electric cars and don't realize how they're going to be charging it? Or mm-hmm. the people that want the, the status of the best version, but not the really the best version because they're not getting the performance? Or, or do they just want to be able to advertise that they have a car that goes up to 335 miles? Well, you don't know what kind of badging they have in the back. And that was uh, something that actually aggravated me is when I go on Tesla's website and I go to their, um, I go to the Model S, uh, you know, build your Model S, there's no view of the back anymore. Oh, dear. Yeah. So there's just, you see just the front view, kind of front 
side 45 degree angle of the car, but you don't see the back. Because what I was really wondering here is how's the badging going to look? Is it just going to say performance series and then for the ludicrous version have the underline? And then what about the long range series? I mean, is there going to be any difference within the badging? I think that their uh, goal here is to secretly make the rear of the Model S hideous and see how long it takes for people to uh, notice and complain and never. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to make it like a puke green color and like only the spots that are not visible in their sample shots. Ooh, ooh, I know they'll 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 plaster on the back of it. uh, Trump Hillary 2020. (laughs) <laughs> no i i was thinking of uh, a picture of elon musk's face you know when he's looking disgusted you you've seen those memes right like there there's memes where uh where it shows a word and he looks happy but then you zoom in and it has something like gas and then he looks disgusted yeah i know that there's an <laughs> elon's musk air freshener that you can buy i must know how this smells <laughs> i have no idea Anyhow, going back to uh, what I was saying before, um, Tesla's really going against the grain compared to other car companies. You think of other car companies like um, BMW, Mercedes, all of them are very heavily invested within badging. Like, you know, BMW has their M series and um, Mercedes has their AMG. And part of the badging is basically a show that, hey, my car is more expensive than Mm -hmm. the regular car. And I know that this isn't something that most people notice, but, you know, if you're a car guy, you tend to notice that, oh, that's the uh, much faster variant of that car. There's a guy who had uh, a Porsche uh, GT2, and his license plate was GT2, not (laughs) 3. Cute. Just to indicate, oh, I have the... 2 is actually the better one. It's the special one. You potentially can still distinguish it even without badging because I think the Tesla, the performance Model S is the only one that has a spoiler. Yeah, there's also the red brake calipers or the tires are different because they're the performance tires, but nobody's going to notice that. I did want to talk about the Tesla servicing uh, then and now. Teslas in general don't require a whole lot of service, but back when I got my p90d i didn't know just how much it was going to need and if their uh, package for uh, annual servicing was a good deal or not so i got four years of prepaid service to go along with my p90d when i when i bought it i had read that you're much more likely to get like complementary parts upgrades that aren't necessarily needed um some people had gotten their computers replaced and stuff like that uh, previously oh, nice. in that program, um, if you if you prepaid for the servicing, uh, though it's obviously not good guaranteed, and they're more likely to goodwill stuff that you're complaining about as well. But I I'm not entirely sure that it's worth it even that because it ends up being roughly 500 ish a year's worth. They do all the normal stuff. They re- they replace the batteries in your remotes. They change your wipers. They t- do all your fluids. They do a realignment of uh, anything that becomes misaligned, Uh, all that sort of standard stuff. Uh, They lubricate parts, things like that. And then they do a check of like all of the systems and whatnot. Um, But they're all pretty minor things that generally aren't really necessary. 
Uh, for our Model 3, we just are doing, we're just taking stuff in for warranty uh, if, if we need it, not bothering with their annual service. I've taken my Model S in for three annual services now. And in addition to that, I've gotten uh, a couple of repairs uh, done uh, when I've complained about things. And for the first couple of years, I've, I've taken it to the Tesla in Bellevue, Washington. I drop it off, and previously they would just they would give me a loaner car, and uh, this loaner is uh, sometimes they would even let me request like what kind of loaner I wanted. I did get a Model X P100D during one of the uh, annual servicings, uh, and I've gotten other Model S's. I was able to try their other cars this way, and they don't they don't really do that anymore. Um, about six to eight months ago when I was taking the cars in, they, uh, I didn't get a Tesla loaner. Uh, the, the local enterprise had purchased a number of model S's to mm-hmm. get to base, essentially give to people that are a, as loaners instead. And since it's enterprise, they're like all sort of stripped down model <laughs> S's with no features. It didn't have the adaptive cruise or anything like that at all. Um, but I still was able to get a car and it was a Model S and it was at the it was at the servicing center that I was able to pick it up. And then there's the last time I went, which was um, a few days ago. I went up there and I could not find any parking at the place. And so I, I had to drove, drive down a little bit to a lower parking lot and all the way to the edge of the parking lot to, to park my car. And then I went in. And then they asked me to wait in the waiting room to drop off my car, which I had never had any sort of wait at Tesla before. And I waited like 20 minutes before I could basically demo an issue that I had. Uh, There was a dash rattle that I wanted to get rid of. And so they had me go and drive around to try and show them the dash rattle, which is always fun because you never know when it's not going to show up. And then I also demonstrated uh, a door rattle when certain music was playing. So I had to demonstrate the particular <laughs> song where the door would rattle. It, it ended up being uh, Los Niños by KMFDM that would consistently do it. <laughs> of course. Of course. It was pretty fun. Um, like They're like, so what was that song that, that you demonstrated? <laughs> they had to put it on the report. So I have KMFDM <laughs> on my Tesla servicing report. <laughs> uh we need a tag KMFDM or something. <laughs> it's a yes, it's it's an American-based band with a German name singing a Spanish language song. What? <laughs> <laughs> then they did not have any Tesla loaners for me. I was hoping that I might be able to get a Model 3 performance to see how it compares with my Model 3. But no. Um, and then I was not able to get a Tesla branded loaner at all, uh, even via Enterprise. Enterprise was no longer uh, at Tesla itself due to the lack of parking spaces at the facility. And so Tesla drove me to an Enterprise where mm. they gave me a Nissan Altima. Oh, wow. 
And then oh, when I returned it, I had to go back to Enterprise and they drove me up. And then my car was fixed, which was good. Yeah. And, and did the annual servicing. And they, every time you do it, they also like pretty nicely uh, wash and, and vacuum your car, which is, which is nice. So I now have a nice shiny red Model S that I have back. For me, in 2016, when I serviced my Tesla, um, I ser- got it serviced in Burbank, California. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a similar arrangement with Enterprise. There isn't an Enterprise on property. But uh, basically, the way Tesla and Burbank had it was um, if you did it in advance, you know, if you did your booking in advance, you can potentially book yourself on a day where you will get one of their Teslas. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in my case, that's what I ended up doing. And I ended up getting, I want to say, like an S60. <laughs> it was, yeah, so it was a, uh, it was one of those cars that uh, it didn't have radar cruise control. It just had regular cruise control. That is honestly the most annoying thing about, like, not having the Model S or having a different Model S without that feature enabled. Because I use the radar cruise control all the time um Mm -hmm. i have it on even if i'm planning on controlling the speed a lot of times just as an extra check to make sure i don't run into something yeah oh yeah yeah i ended up getting one of their older teslas and uh, my understanding is that if i had uh, come in on another day i would have just been sent to enterprise and ended up getting a non-tesla so what it sounds like is that the problems of California and Tesla owners in California are slowly leaking to people <laughs> in Washington and other states. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's since the Model Three released, um, mm-hmm. it's it's completely overloaded a lot of the service center capacity everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. They were telling me when I was there that they used to have a goal of servicing about twenty cars a day. And now they have to service at least 50 a day in the same Mm -hmm. small facility. And scheduling is more difficult now. I had to schedule a month in advance. It was good that I could do it online now instead of having to call them. But uh, after I dropped it off, it it took several days to get it back, which was before they could generally get it back either the next day or the day after. So you had several days for just... I mean, basically regular kind of issues. I mean, or do you think it took several days because of the door? No, it was an annual servicing. um, And I know that it wasn't because of the rattles, because they sent me an update each night, basically saying, your car is still in our queue. Oh, wow. So they basically had your car sitting there. Yes. For me, um, I had an issue with my passenger side seat Mm -hmm. where it was loose. And uh, they actually had to go ahead and get a new seat. And where that's why it ended up taking a couple extra days for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. understandable. I can only imagine how bad it is in Burbank now. <laughs> yeah. Around where I live, it's already sort of Tesla central. They're everywhere around here. Uh, both the Model S's, uh, well, the Model S's, X's, and 3's are all extremely uh common here out of curiosity i know that uh tesla has mobile service Mm -hmm. 
So for mobile service, is there any kind of requirement like you have to live at least 50 or 100 miles away from a Tesla center? Uh, it depends on like, I think what they're doing, because there's only certain operations that they can do with their mobile service. And I don't think that there's necessarily a hard requirement on distance, because I have actually had a mobile service person come to me. Hmm. How was that? During one of my San Diego trips, uh, my road trip, when I was in San Diego, my driver's side door handle stopped working. That sucked um, because I could not get in the driver's side door and it was a road trip. So I didn't have time to take it to like a local San Diego Tesla place. Um, but I did complain about it while I was in San Diego saying, hey, maybe a, a, tes- a mobile Tesla tech can come to me while I'm here because I don't have time to take it to you. But they interpreted it as when you get home, we'll send a mobile tech out to you. <laughs> cute very cute and so that was that was really fun so i had to go and lean in and unlock the door and i needed to be very careful that every time i went to a supercharger i would leave the driver's side window open so i could open the door so what was it it was some sort of mechanism in the door handle that broke it was actually a mechanical part and not something in software yeah uh, when they did do the mobile tech, they they went, came to my house. Uh, he came in a van. He basically took apart the door, replaced the door handle, and put it back together. And I suspect this is also when my door rattle from certain songs began. You think he just left something in there? Um, it's possible that like one of the clips didn't clip right or something like that. So I guess overall, uh, Tesla needs a lot more service centers? Yes, I asked them if they're getting any more service centers soon. And they said, I sure hope so. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think they will? I sure hope so too. I I think that they have one planned, but one is not going to be enough. Several more in the area. Yeah. What I wonder about as well is like, what if you have a Tesla in Montana? Like, how does that work? I don't know. I, I do know that they have like, a thing where they could potentially have someone come by and pick up your car if it needs to go to a center itself if you're far away. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what their requirements are. And then also I heard about there being issues in Norway since Norway has so many electric vehicles and uh, they don't have the infrastructure there yet. Yeah, they need to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I heard about... Um, Speaking of Norway, the the European release of the Model 3 and S has revealed, I think, a new part number or whatever that is uh, for like AP3, Autopilot 3 hardware. And it looks like Autopilot 3 may have, at least based off of some of the Model 3 wiring diagrams, two, two radars. Yeah, I found that interesting. I don't know if they'll have it for the uh, first release of Autopilot 3. I mean, it could just be something where uh, they have it in place and then they'll, when they're ready with the new radar part, they'll put it in then. Yeah, and then I guess the other part of that is a new computer system with the Tesla-designed chips. Now, uh, that's one of the main reasons right now I'm not going to get a new Tesla. I'm not going to get one until Autopilot 3 is ready. I assume you mean the hardware, not the software, because if you wait for the software, you may never get it. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, yeah, the hardware. 
I know you said they still have that offsite option where you can still get the full self-driving where you'll end up getting upgrades. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many revisions they'll uh, honor. Yeah, I, I still wonder what the people who leased their Teslas are going to do, like that uh, got that option. Yeah, they're going to have to deal with some people probably that ordered this and then never got full self-driving. I mean, uh, from my perspective, if I had ended up getting a 2016 Tesla instead of a twenty late 2015 Tesla, my perspective would have been not so much that uh, I didn't end up getting self-driving, but that there was zero difference between the performance between paying the extra money and not paying the extra money. There's still, I think, no features. Do you know if nav- Navigate on, on Autopilot doesn't require the extra full self-driving money, I'm pretty sure. so. Uh, I didn't hear anything along those lines yeah, at I'm all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that you get that with just regular enhanced autopilot, but navigate on autopilot. So right now, there's still nothing extra that you get. I think they're basically considering it a insurance against upgraded hardware at this point. Yeah, I mean, if I had a lease, I would have absolutely asked for a refund at that point. Because, I mean, what... Uh, <laughs> what does this mean? That uh, the person who's going to end up uh, buying the car after I return it, they're going to end up getting the upgrade? Uh, and Oh, there there you go. Free money for Tesla. They can disable that option and resell it. Isn't the uh, faster supercharging supposed to be announced any time now? I think so. It's the, the faster supercharging, I think, is still interestingly slower than the Porsche. The, the Taycan? For those that don't know, that's Porsche's upcoming electric sedan uh what do you think of it i mean uh the main appeal for it for me is the charging (laughs) to be honest yeah that one there's supposedly what 350 kilowatts right because it's um it's using a 800 volt charger yeah the network is set up by uh, electrify america i think who i think Mm -hmm. also recently had a recall um, because of uh, problems with the cooling of their charging lines, or something. I heard there was an outage of some kind. Yeah, they had to they had to disable them because of the safety issue. I remember that uh, Elon was first hyping online that uh, supercharger V three that oh three hundred and fifty kilowatts oh that's just a child's toy. Okay, and uh, yeah, well, yeah, he actually said that on Twitter. So I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be. Uh, it's going to be pretty amazing how much faster you're going to end up getting charging. And that's going to alleviate no. a whole bunch of <laughs> whole lot of the, <laughs> he, yeah. he just meant that you'll destroy your battery. And so it's a toy. Unless he's comparing it to the mega charger, but so what a semi can charge faster. That doesn't exactly help me here, but uh, it sounds like now the uh, target charge rate for V3 is going to be around 200. Yeah. That, that's around what I, th- I, th- I thought it was 250, but yeah. Any kind of advance like that, that's still a pretty decent advance. Right. You know, if you're going down to the 15, 20 minute range to charge your vehicle to 50%, Mm -hmm. that's actually a pretty big deal. And uh, as long as you train people to not charge the car all the way, but only charge half, it actually frees up the supercharged stations a lot. Yeah. Depending on which cars can use it. 
if you're going to have, you know, 150, 200,000 Model 3s out there that can't use it, you're still going to have a problem. Do you know much about like the the like the Electrify America network? Is how big it is mm, or No, no, I don't. See, no, cuz that's one of those things that Volkswagen is investing in due to their penance for <laughs> deceiving deceiving America. What I hope comes from this at some point is some kind of standardization. Because, I mean, it is still kind of ridiculous that there are charge stations that only work for one kind of car. Can you imagine if there were gas stations that only worked for Ford? Well, supposedly Tesla is willing to license their connector out for free, but nobody's taken them up on it. Um, they was, people would still have to pay for charging at the Tesla superchargers. But instead of that, like the... Like the, the Electrify America one, the one that the take on is using is supposedly a standard. Um, and a number of other car uh, manufacturers are also using that standard. Uh, notably, like Nissan is not. They're the USB-C and then Tesla is the lightning port of connectors. What do you, do you think the EU will have any kind of say on this? Well, they did start mandating what the USB-C stuff, right? that you have to be able to charge via USB-C. Yeah, but do you think they'll do something similar for electric cars? Probably. As long as it's a good standard. I don't want to be forced to charge at uh, 50 kilowatts for a standard. Well, even if they forced people to be able to... Or forced cars to be able to charge from... Cha demo. (laughs) Yeah, the the cha demo whatever (laughs) charger. uh, You can use an adapter to get that. Yeah, just uh, it costs you extra. Right. And for Tesla, it's quite a bit extra. Wasn't it like $450? It is um, $602. Oh, my God. It, I think it used to be 500 because I bought one, and I think I paid about 500 for it. Um, I bought one before I went down on my road trip because I was concerned that I'm, I might want to take like some back roads or something for fun and not have a supercharger nearby like if i went down the oregon coast or something now it's now the oregon coast i believe is covered with superchargers but at the time it wasn't um i ended up not using it but the box (laughs) for that adapter is enormous it is crazy like the adapter itself is huge too like it takes up almost my entire frunk do you want to talk about the facebook issue (laughs) sure why not facebook is a fun privacy loving company right (laughs) they want to engender user trust all over the place so what they did is a while ago they had a vpn and they used this vpn to get information about the people using the vpn what sites they went to and whatnot and then uh, this this was via an app in the App Store, and Apple forced them to remove it. And so it was discovered recently that only days or so after they got this VPN removed from their App Store, they created uh, another another app that uh, effectively did the same thing. It's a VPN that uh, got information about the people using it. What what places they went to, what services they were using, uh, effect- effectively everything that they were doing on the uh, on the internet with their phone. Um, except that this time, 
they used uh, their enterprise certificate to distribute the app. And the, the enterprise certificates, for those that don't know, is uh, a, a big company will often have internal applications that they use, that uh, their employees use, that they wouldn't necessarily want like Apple to know about because they have um, maybe proprietary information involved in it, uh, maybe business secrets, uh, other things like that. But Facebook, they went and they created an app with a certificate and then distributed it to the the article says uh, paid teenagers to run it. But I suspect that they paid people other than teenagers as well. Yeah. 20, anybody who wants to accept $20 a month for Facebook to see your uh, browsing habits. The problem with this is it is definitely a violation of Apple's uh, terms of service for enterprise applications, not to mention not so wonderful for user privacy, but at least they were getting paid for it this time, right? Yeah. And I mean, I can understand them wanting to do user research because, I mean, this is what Nielsen families do also effectively, right? So uh, is Nielsen entirely opt-in or is it choosing random families? Well, they, Nielsen chooses random families who then uh, have to opt in, I believe. Because, I mean, I, I've always thought about like uh, the susceptibility of it, that uh, potentially if you're a studio, that uh, you can get a whole bunch of families who are uh, friendly to you to watch the shows that you want so that your shows end up getting more ad revenue. But uh, I guess if it's just random families who've been selected for something. Okay, so I just Googled Nielsen VPN VPN, and it does look like Nielsen does have a VPN. And I'm guessing that they probably also track information about you. Because it would be very interesting if uh, they didn't allow Facebook to do it, but they did allow Nielsen to do it. Yeah, in the App Store, they have uh, Nielsen mobile app. So I don't know if there's some way that they're able to get around it. Uh, that Facebook couldn't do or if they're not collecting as much data or what exactly the deal is, why Nielsen can do this, but Facebook can't. Maybe it's that their terms are more forward or it's entirely possible as well that uh, Apple's making an example out of Facebook. It sounds like research. Maybe mm-hmm. one of our listeners can do it for us. <laughs> the reason that Facebook wants to collect this data is it allows them to make very strategic purchases Uh, For example, they noticed that using their VPN, that WhatsApp messages were being sent like three times or four times as much as uh, Facebook Messenger apps or messages. And this encouraged their uh, purchase of WhatsApp. For a ridiculous amount of money, no less. Because they knew exactly how many people used it and how fast it was growing because of the the data that they had collected. So they're highly incentivized to collect this data. Uh, I don't know of any other specific cases, but that was definitely one of them. I was trying to see if VPNs in general require a uh, enterprise certificate. Oh no, they don't. Okay. I I have a, there's a like the Pulse Secure VPN app on iOS. I have uh, and it does not require an enterprise certificate. I know there are some that do. Mm-hmm. Like I think uh, I think my private internet access one does, 
And the only thing they do with that is make it where you can turn on the VPN via the app. What it's trying to do is, uh, as opposed to having to go into the VPN and turn everything on from within the settings menu, that they have just, you know, that they're able to do a button and then subsequently something like a widget in order to do that. Now, something like that, I understand, you know, that actually makes sense to me about why you do that. That ends up being a convenience. Mm -hmm. iOS does have like VPN support built in. So Mm -hmm. it's not VPNs are not allowed. I think it's a VPNs are not allowed to as, as with its primary purpose being to collect data about your subscribers. Right. Yeah. How they can determine which of the VPNs have that purpose is probably not very straightforward. The only thing I can even imagine would be close is that uh, if they have a data policy, of course, by them having a data policy, you're assuming that what they're saying on the data policy is factually accurate. Mm hmm. We forgot to talk about the consequences of this. So as a consequence of app, of Facebook abusing their enterprise certs, they, they had them revoked. And uh, that caused all of Facebook's internal applications to stop working. And it's being considered effectively a internal Facebook emergency. Uh, employees no longer to, able to order food. In, from their local cafeteria. Well, I mean, assuming they have, assuming they have an iPhone, right? Yeah. Do you think that this is going to cause Facebook to just throw up their hands and go, nope, no more iPhones? You guys are, if you want to, if you want a phone from us, you have to use an Android phone. I, I can see that as quite likely that uh, they may consider it a, an act of war from Apple to do that sort of thing. But I mean, Apple, honestly, I. I'm more sympathetic to Apple in this case. Yeah. Is that uh, Facebook, you know, Facebook, they do whatever they think they can get away with. And I mean, they're they're like one of those kids that end up uh, going as far as they can before the parent uh, smacks their hand. Right. They're, they're similar to Uber in that respect. Yeah. And I mean, that, that was actually one of the uh, comparisons was when it turned out that uh, Uber was tracking people. Uber was tracking people. And they had set up a geofence where it wasn't doing it for anybody within the Apple campus. Mm-hmm. And eventually, uh, Tim Cook threatened to take Uber off of the App Store. Right. Unless they uh, pretty much clean their game up. There is a little bit of a difference where, you know, there's, uh, in the case of Uber, you can always switch to Lyft. Right. But in the case of Facebook, I mean, uh, Google Plus? I, I, I understand, like, it's really bad that Facebook abused their enterprise certificates and gave them to non-employees and whatnot. But I think that there should be an option for them to have the VPN in the App Store as long as they're very clear about what information that they're collecting. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, it's a... uh... Although I know Apple ends up taking the stance where they're trying to uh, protect their customers, Mm -hmm. at least when it comes to things like privacy. I mean, on the other hand, uh, they still have Google as the default search engine. So, I mean, (laughs) they care, but they have limits to how much they care. But yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree that uh, if they were more forthcoming on what they were doing, that uh, there'd be less of a chance that Apple would uh, strike them down in this kind of manner. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, I'm almost certain that uh, for Apple to do this, that it was probably somebody pretty high up that made that call. Probably Tim himself probably. making that call. Yeah. I wonder how often they revoke certs. I don't think it's something they do very often. I mean, I'm sure they do it to mom and pop ones. Uh, I keep thinking of that uh, South Park episode with uh, Steve Jobs and the human centipad where okay. they were trying to... S- uh, have you seen that episode? I have not. Oh, so um, because uh, Kyle ends up agreeing to the I- the iTunes terms of service, there's like a, uh, a clause in there that makes it where Apple can pretty much take him and make him part of a human centipede. Okay. It's an awfully strange clause. Yeah, see, uh, yeah, and he ends up being repurposed as, quote-unquote, a human centipad. Uh-huh. And uh, they were, you know, and it turns out that it's this huge, it's pretty much all a big thing to try and, you know, try and teach him to read. And he agrees to the sir, he agrees to the terms again, but he didn't end up reading it, and Steve Jobs is pissed. He's like, why can't I get it to read? Why can't it read? Okay. It's a ridiculous episode. It does sound that way. Yes. But I I think it's worth watching, if anything, for, uh, you know, just joking about pretty much how people don't really read through terms of service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also Steve Jobs. I think it was the one time that Steve Jobs showed up in in South Park lore. I'm surprised. You think he showed up all the time. (sighs) It's an older episode i think it's like it was before he died well you would think <laughs> well i don't know i'm gonna come with here posthumously to to with, enforce a eula with them you never know you never know with them i'm zombie steve jobs and i'm here to force you to be part of a centipad because you <laughs> didn't read the eula so did you did you take a look at the six colors report card of apple i uh i briefly looked at it i looked at their letter grades speaking of zombie steve jobs what a transition is steve jobs rolling over in his grave as in response to this report card oh i was gonna say maybe we can generate electricity from him to power our teslas <laughs> Clean zombie energy. So moving on from zombie Steve Jobs, uh, what did you think of the reviews on here? I mean, was there anything you uh, generally disagreed with? First, I'm going to go and give an overview of what the pundits considered the grades for Apple's different areas. Uh, They gave the Mac a B minus, iPhone a B plus, iPad an A minus, watch an A, Apple TV a D plus. Uh, services a C plus, HomeKit a C minus, hardware reliability a B plus, software quality a B minus, dev relations a B minus, and environmental social a B. So from my perspective, I would probably have like the Mac be a C plus, the Apple TV probably a C, and then hard- hardware reliability a C plus. And those would probably be my major. Oh, and, and Dev Relations is probably a C plus as well. Those would be my major things. So with the Apple TV, I mean, you rated it higher than what they did. 
what's your rationale for that? So I think their problem with it is they didn't really improve things and it's expensive, which is true, but it's not really any worse than it was last year. They just sort of didn't do anything with it. So I think it's fine. It's overpriced, but they didn't really need to do a lot with it. Well, their complaint, a big part of their complaint was that there wasn't a subscription service to go along with it, which, I mean, I think that's uh, that's kind of legitimate. That part of the whole point of having an Apple TV is it's not just the hardware and it's not just what you can get right now. It's uh, what you're eventually going to end up getting with it. And uh, in the case of Apple TV, it's like, okay, what new goodies came with it this year? I think the main thing you ended up getting is Atmos support. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much about it. My saying that it's a C is more because they didn't need to do a lot with it, I think. Basically, they didn't ruin it. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm sort of satisfied that they didn't ruin it. I'd really like to get a real remote because I lose that stupid thing all the time. So I guess what you're saying is as long as they don't ruin something, they get, they're entitled to a C or a C-. minus. Yeah. If, if they don't make things worse... They can still they can still get a C. Uh, I'll go down to a C minus for neglect. Yeah, I mean, I find uh, with Apple TV, I find it wanting specifically because when I want to watch actual TV on it, um, they don't have an actual subscription service. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, I have a uh, YouTube TV, mm-hmm. which YouTube TV it's good in terms of what uh, you know what content you can end up getting with it. First off, it's a buggy app. Second of all, it doesn't always follow the conventions of how the rest of like the Apple TV ends up working. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, similar to, I mean, Hulu is kind of similar in that respect as well, that uh, Hulu ends up putting out a user interface that's nothing like the rest of the Apple TV. You know, so it's one of those things where they're trying to be more consistent to, you know, they're looking at brand consistency, kind of like what Netflix ends up doing. All of these companies end up doing that. And Realistically, what I want is I want an app that works closely to the paradigm of the, uh, you know, of the device that it ends up being on. So uh, I'm trying to think, what else did you end up disagreeing with here? I disagreed that the the Mac in general is lower than a B minus. Just they, they released a improved keyboard for the new MacBook Pros, but it's still it's like it's just a band-aid. It doesn't really solve the problem of the keyboard being awful. They did do a new Mac mini. And I mean, the new Mac mini specs wise is pretty good. It's just, uh, the Mac mini is great. I, I do think that that is why they did not get a D. Uh, and I sort of, and, the, and sort of the hardware reliability is mixed in with my Mac grade here also. So, okay. I mean, but the Mac mini, it's just priced, uh, pretty bad yeah the back mini is more expensive than it should be but it's great it's a great machine i mean i would also uh i would grade lower in part because uh there hasn't been any significant updates to i want to say the imac and the imac pro and then also no mac pro yeah the the imac is unexpected because it's been i think two years now since the last update. Yeah, it's been, as of the recording of this podcast, 604 days since the last iMac update. So while they updated the iMac Pro a year ago, releasing it, uh, they have not updated the iMac for a considerably longer period of time. So they're, they're sort of st- stagnant there. 
Yeah. My, I mean, my concern is with the iMac Pro that they're going to do the same thing they did to the Mac Pro, where it's just going to stay uh, languishing for, you know, two to three years before updating. This is something that's sort of irritating about Apple in general, is that they will just let a product sit for years without updates when they could have done like at least spec bumps. Right. You know, don't uh, don't necessarily update the design of the thing. Mm-hmm. Just uh, give it potentially, you know, a better CPU or a better GPU. My my major annoyances with the Mac is 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 the MacBook Pro's evil touch bar slash keyboard in general. Uh, I don't see that going away. I mean, the keyboard will stay there. At uh, at most, you will get a return of the function keys with the uh, Mac with the touch bar on top. So, I mean, they did have the MacBook Air with the with the Touch ID and no Touch Bar, though it is a more budget-focused Mac. But that was good to see. In terms of them taking features out, like, uh, you know, I know you were saying about them, maybe someday they'll end up taking the Touch Bar out. Uh, one of the rumors about the iPhone is that they're going to be taking the whole Force Touch or 3D Touch out in future models. Supposedly, the reason that they did that on the XR is because the, otherwise they couldn't do the display that way, I think, hmm. um, with an LCD. Or, or um, yeah, what they, they basically they ran out of room at the edges uh, to be able to do the force touch stuff with an LCD. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think the rumor is this year that uh, all of the... Uh, all of the flagship phones this year are going to be OLED. Yeah. So, I mean, that would make it more likely that they would have force touch because you can make the panels thinner mm-hmm. um, and still have the strain gauges at the end edges. I don't think I would have given the iPhone a B plus. I mean, it is nice that they ended up coming out with a max version of the, uh, of their 10 S. Mm-hmm. But I mean, besides that uh, feature wise, it's, you know it's uh, serviceable, but I mean it's not uh, it's not particularly great. But then again, by your uh, by your standard, they didn't ruin it, and they did improve it. So I mean, I guess I would have given it closer to a B than a B plus. Yeah, I, th- I think that the B plus is fairly close. Um, mm. It's still way way faster than any Android phone, though its improvement wasn't as significant as previously. And then their iPad grade. They gave the iPad an A minus. That's reasonable. Feature wise, it's there. It's just price wise. This is the first time I didn't go out and buy a new iPad because it's just, uh, it's kind of ridiculous. They are ridiculously expensive. And I, thinking about it again, I would probably not give the iPad an A until they have multi user support. But that's my own pet issue. <laughs> now, the watch I agree with. The yeah, watch, the watch I think the watch is a, they're doing great with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the watch they're still in the territory where you're seeing really, really good returns year after year. Yeah, they keep getting better. The ECG thing is cool. Uh, I did finally get a chance to use it, and my heart rate, or and my and my heart is a normal sinus rhythm. The watch doesn't think I'm going to die. I might still. It's not a test for heart attacks. You're uh, you're gonna die from flesh eating bacteria, and the watch isn't gonna have any say on that. No, though it does. It does note that uh, my my heart rate does get up pretty high when I go for a run. 
Much higher than it should. Services, I'm not sure I'd give a C plus because um, when it comes to Apple Music, there's still a whole bunch that's wanting. Like for instance, uh, in Apple Music, the fact that uh, you can't turn off the uh, explicit music filter, where I'm, li- I end up listening to stuff and I end up getting it beeped out. I didn't, I didn't realize that. So then there's also that there hasn't been, you know, their TV service still isn't there. Their iCloud, they're still only offering five gig, you know, for free, which I think that ends up being part of services as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I would be more likely to rate it as a C minus than a, uh, you know, than a C plus. Yeah, that's fair. Though I just don't really think about their services much at all, even though I do have the Apple Music. Do you use Apple Music primarily or do you use uh, another service? I use Apple Music primarily. I think that if Spotify ever starts working uh, in the Tesla, I will just switch to Spotify for everything. See, I switched away from Spotify when Apple Music came out. Why was that? A big part of it was the family plan. Okay. Doesn't Spotify have yeah. that now? Um, Now, I guess, but uh, I don't know about back then. Okay. Yeah, I, I think... I think that pretty much covers our thoughts and opinions on Apple's report card. There was one other thing I wanted to say. Uh, just please, please, Apple, make a keyboard that I like. Please. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> it's so hard to use the current one. I get this, this, there's no spaces in between the keys anymore. The arrow keys are impossible to use. The I have to remap cap locks to escape to be able to use vi no make something good please it feels bad to type on feels like i'm typing on a piece of cardboard all i want are f keys back i mean f keys and the escape key they can put the touch bar on top of that yeah i'm fine if they just move the touch bar up that's fine yeah, or just make the trackpad a tiny little bit smaller. Yeah, it doesn't need to be so freaking huge. Like, I accidentally press it all the time. Uh, I would I would be fine with a smaller, harder-to-hit trackpad. Oh, well. No, that's not happening, because we're in the minority. Mm-hmm. I was at the DMV yesterday, and their keyboards pretty much look like the Mac keyboards, where, you know, they have next to no travel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I say to the woman there, I'm like, yeah, your keyboard doesn't have a lot of travel. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wait, what? What do you say? I'm like, yeah, those keys, those keys on your keyboard are, you know, they're not very high. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't like this. I like the keyboard. I like the keyboards with more travel. <laughs> and it's like I noticed that this is one of those things that uh, there's nerd rage yeah. over keyboards. But, uh, you know, when it comes to regular people that uh, regular people just kind of shrug and say, oh, I like the old one more, but then live with it. Well, hopefully Apple's having to deal with warranty issues will force them into a new design, and hopefully we can get something that feels better at the same time. I I doubt it'll be a tall key. No, it probably won't, but maybe we can get a little more travel than we have. I figure all I should realistically do is I should make a point of actually working downstairs on my iMac instead of my laptop (laughs) and get a keyboard with actual decent travel. Yeah. I use the code keyboard for most of my uh, work. 
Um, it's it has some dip switches that can configure it for like a Mac or a PC mode, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's pretty nice. I like it. It's a mechanical keyboard. It has Cherry Clear switches, which is a nice hybrid between clicky feel and quietness. It's better looking than I thought it would be. When you said cherry, I had no idea what to expect. No, no, no. no. The switches are cherry switches. Cherry clear switches, as in the key switches. That's the mechanical switch type. They're, you know, there's like cherry blue, cherry brown, etc. Switches. Mm-hmm. Cherry is actually a company, but they sort of have um, a lot of market share in the mechanical switch uh, market for keyboards, and they're very commonly known. Um, so Cherry has a number of switches for mechanical keyboards, and they color them based off of their properties. So some of their mechanical switches are quieter or louder or have a different feeling to them when you press them. Um, and depending on how they are, uh, they color code them. And so oh, huh. they, they have a, a number of uh, clicky ones. Um, their clickiest ones are their their. Uh, blue, white, and green ones. And then there's ones that you can feel them click but don't make as much noise. And that's like they're brown and clear. And then then they have some linear switches that are uh, red and um, black and whatnot. And those ones are usually... You get less feel, uh, but they're much quieter. Hmm. Uh, but they're pretty well regarded. And uh, they're in most of the keyboards that you would buy that call themselves mechanical keyboards. Are they battery powered or are they? Uh... The keyboard that I, the code keyboard that I got is a USB keyboard. So you can choose which switches you get with them. I've, I've purchased a, some Cherry switches before uh, just mm-hmm. to see how they click. And my favorite feeling of the, of the Cherry switches is probably the Cherry Blues. But they are incredibly noisy. And so I think the best compromise between noise and feeling are the cherry clears. I guess it all depends on uh, if you have to worry about disturbing other people. Yeah. I mean, you can possibly also annoy yourself with it. Uh, the, (laughs) The code keyboards have like a key removal tool. So if you wanted to go and buy a full set of extra switches for yourself, you could. All right, I think you can buy like bags of them on Amazon too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just a couple more things about the code keyboard. Um, it It's nice because it, it has an adjustable backlight. So uh, you can just keep the rest of your lights off and you not worry about not being able to find a key uh, at night. Uh, even if you're a touch typist, it's handy. Uh, is it can you do a per key you know you can't do it per key but you can there is a keyboard shortcut to adjust the how bright it is uh, overall because what i was thinking would be awesome is if you're playing a first person shooter have it configured where wasd yeah Yeah. this one's those there are keyboards that do that but this isn't one of them Mm -hmm. you can yeah there's a bunch of uh switches on the back that let you sw- swap like alt and commands. You know how like a lot of keyboards, when you use them on a Mac, uh, if they're not a Mac keyboard, they're annoying because the the keys are in the wrong place. So you can flip yeah, the, yeah. the switch on the back and you don't have to set anything in software after that. It'll just know that it's supposed to be used on a Mac. And then okay. you can do normal multimedia stuff 
um, with the function key and uh, insert and end and uh, whatnot as well. And um, yeah, then it has a breakaway USB cable, so you can replace it with your own if you want a shorter one, stuff like that. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. So, I mean, I've been pretty happy with it. All right, so thank you for listening to ALH. We never introduced ourselves today, so now you know who we are. I don't know why you wouldn't, since you had to explicitly download our podcast. Uh, you can visit us at alh.fm, and you can follow us on Twitter, Aliens Land Here, um, though that name is sh- slowly being shunned. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Okay, see you in X number of weeks. We try and shoot for two a month. So did you ever ever try Smash? I did. Uh, I I went through and uh, did some of the regular kind of adventure mode where you end up getting the uh, top-down map. So the World of Life stuff? Yeah, and I ended up going to the left. Okay. And... uh, what I find amazing is that some things I'm actually quite decent at, but then when it comes to, I end up running into some foes where it's just, they're ridiculously hard. Yeah. You can tell how hard they're going to be based off of the number that's next to them. The number that's next to them. Yeah. Like uh, everyone that you fight against, it shows you like which type they are like drab or shield or attack. And uh, next to that icon is also a number and the higher the number is, the harder they're going to be. Yeah, I mean, I knew there was a number for me uh, based off of my party. Yeah. That basically how I configured my little spirit dinguses. Yeah, so you can compare <laughs> your number to their number and see how difficult the fight will be. Yeah, so for instance, there was one where uh, Samus and the ground is poison. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just impossibly hard. Yeah, so some of those become way easier after you get certain spirits because uh, some of the spirits have special properties like immune to poison floors. Oh, oh, there's actually a full immunity to poison. Okay. There's there's like pretty much every status effect that they have a floor of, there's a spirit that lets you be immune to it. And it usually takes up two slots. So there's actually like immune to lava, immune to poison, all that. Okay. Right. So I guess it's just a matter of playing through the game more and, uh, you know, actually just skipping the things that are just way too hard at this point. Yeah, pretty much. I ended up putting a couple hours in. Oh, cool. Did you try online and at I mean, all? I did not try online. Oh, I'm really curious to see I, if you get demolished. <laughs> yeah, I, I just know. Play. I mean, running into AI that basically is demolishing me makes me think, oh, God, I don't have a chance online. Um, well, maybe, maybe not. When you first start off, uh, the ones that have a rating up to about four or 5,000 are doable. And the ones that mm-hmm. are around 9,000 are really, really hard If when you're first starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, but after you get some of the other spirits, they become much more manageable. Uh, where I am now, like there's ones that have a rating of between like 12 and 14,000. And those are the ones that are trickier, though. Even those aren't so bad anymore. Oh, okay. So, I mean, a big part of it is just getting the right spirit thing and then leveling up, leveling them up. Right. 
Okay. And also each spirit you'll notice has like a little star, number of stars next to it. And the primary spirits, they, they basically goes between one and four stars. And mm-hmm. uh, we, you'll also notice that uh, this is also related to the difficulty of the spirit that you're fighting. It also show you how many stars that the spirit you're getting is. And the more stars they have, the, much, uh, the more difficult the fight is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I was trying, like, a lot of what I was trying to do is I wasn't trying to exclusively play with that specific spirit unless it was really hard. Mm-hmm. I was trying to, you know, trying to even it out so that uh, I would be able to level up um, other spirits just by playing. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about leveling up your spirits. You get so many snacks and opportunities to level them up anyway that it just doesn't okay. matter. And eventually you'll unlock a gym where all you have to do is stick your spirit in there and wait. <laughs> Uh, Pokemon, here we go. Yeah. Uh, it was funny that uh, I was playing it by myself, and Tanya comes home one day, and she sees me. She's like, are you beating up an Ivysaur? <laughs> Why would you do that? Because it's fun. Yeah, because I'm trying to capture it. And in this game, in this game, instead of throwing a ball at it, you beat it to a bloody pulp so you can capture it for yourself. Yeah. It's fun. It's just I haven't... Uh, I haven't been gaming much mm-hmm. uh, this past week. Yeah, just uh, we'll, we'll we'll have to try and play online uh, with that as well. I'll have to try playing against you. I still want to try just shapes and beats with you. Yeah, that too. Uh, anything on the horizon you're looking forward towards gaming wise? I've recently downloaded, but I haven't had a chance to play a game called A Fisherman's Tale uh, on Oculus. Hmm. And the way that it works is you're a fisherman in a lighthouse and you're looking at a model of a lighthouse inside your lighthouse. And (laughs) if you look inside of it, you'll see yourself. And as you move around stuff around, you move stuff around in the model and you'll see. And if you uh, take something out, like or move it or whatever, something uh a a giant hand will like reach into your (laughs) area and move it around all i think of is uh do you you watched much futurama right uh yeah so there was an episode where uh there was a parallel universe within a box Mm -hmm. and then eventually towards the end of the show they invert it so that the entire so the end of the show your universe is in the box Mm mm-hmm and then I think somebody ends up sw- stepping on the box or sitting on the box and everything ends up getting squished. Nice. This is kind of what it reminds me of, like if they had reached a hand into the box at this point, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that there would have been a giant hand coming out of the sky. Yeah, so I, I really like the concept and it got good reviews. And so I'm, I'm anxious to mm-hmm. try it, but I just haven't had time recently. Hey, look at me. 